Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of Luke. Hello and happy Thursday to all of you guys, friends and faithful listeners. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Bible Explained podcast. And for those of you who are new to the podcast and haven't really tuned in before and are kind of curious as to what I'm doing, I I don't often explain what this podcast is. Usually I just jump right in. I feel like that's an explanation enough. Once I start reading the Bible and talking about it. But the reason I started this podcast, the Bible Explained podcast, previously called P40 Ministries podcast, was because I saw that um, a lot of times people like to make the Bible out to be this very complicated thing that only scholars can interpret and teach. And the fact is, I am not a scholar. I did not go to college for this. And yet I do feel that I can understand the Bible and the common person can understand the Bible. And unfortunately, I think that we have made the Bible out to be this this very scary thing that, you know, only the most educated could possibly understand. But that's not true. I truly believe that's not true. And that is really why I started this podcast at the very beginning of everything two years ago. I started it because... I have a love for the scriptures, and I think that we have a tendency to overcomplicate them. I I don't understand everything. I can't possibly understand everything because there are some things that God keeps hidden from us, and he states that. But for the most part, when it comes to the ministry of Jesus, the Old Testament, I just want to get rid of that fear that people have of it, trying to understand it, and show that the Old Testament and the New Testament are so connected and easy for people to understand. But anyway, that's just a little uh, introduction, I suppose, to what this podcast is, if you are new tuning in. And I am thankful for all the new people that have been tuning into the podcast. I want to mention that um, the podcast is now rated at number 67 for philosophy podcasts in America. And so I'm just so appreciative for all of you guys that are tuning in listening on a regular basis and sharing it with your family members because you are sharing the gospel. When you share this podcast, you are sharing the gospel to people who might not know the gospel. But let's go ahead and read the last little bit of Luke chapter 19 today, verses 41 through 48. Like I said, I read out of the WEB version, but please feel free to read out of the version you prefer to read out of, whatever that might be. And let's go ahead and jump into this. As I always say, grab your cup of coffee or your cup of tea and let's start reading. When he, or Jesus, came near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you, even you, had known today the things which belong to your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come on you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you, surround you, hem you in on every side, and will dash you and your children within you to the ground. They will not leave in you one stone on another, because you didn't know the time of your visitation." He entered into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying to them, It is written, My house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. He was teaching daily in the temple, but the chief priests, the scribes, and the leading men among the people sought to destroy them. They couldn't find what they might do, for all the people hung on every word that he said. All right, quick backstory. 
Jesus is near the end of his life. He is going to be murdered in a week. Jesus knows this. He specifically went to Jerusalem to die because obviously his death accomplished the beautiful thing of giving us all salvation. He became the perfect sacrifice for us and bought us back. That's what scriptures talk about. So Jesus was going to Jerusalem to accomplish this very thing. He knew he was going to die. He knew what these chief priests were going to do. They, he knew that they hated him, but yet he went anyway. He courageously went because that was his purpose. He was going to fulfill his purpose, even though it was torturous, even though it was scary, even though it was not a pleasant purpose. But Jesus was going to do it anyway. So what we talked about on Tuesday was when Jesus rode down into the city on the back of a donkey and the people were so overjoyed because Jesus was doing his ministry for about three years now. He was healing people. He raised actually a handful of people from the dead. I think two or three people he technically raised from the dead. And the people were starting to hear these stories about Jesus and begin to recognize him as the Messiah. So as Jesus is coming down the mountain on the back of the donkey, the people are waving their palm branches and they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna to Jesus, yelling at him, basically. And Hosanna means save, save. So they're asking Jesus to save them. But the problem was they didn't know what they really needed saving from. They believed that they were asking Jesus to become their conquering king who would overthrow Rome, get the Romans out of there and bring Israel to its former glory. That's what they wanted. They wanted a champion. They wanted a hero. They wanted a military general, basically. And Jesus was not going to do that. That was not Jesus's goal for coming to earth. Jesus's goal was, yes, to save them, but to save them on a spiritual level and not just the Israelites, but the Romans, too. So both the Jewish people and the Gentiles, that was Jesus's plan from the very beginning. So the Israelites had no clue why they were asking Jesus to save them or rather what they were saying when they were screaming, Hosanna, Hosanna, save, save. They didn't really know what they need saving from. So now Jesus is going into the city. And from the pictures I have seen of Jerusalem, you can see the city from the top of a hill, basically. It's kind of like down in a valley. So Jesus begins to see the city and he starts weeping over it, is what it says. It says, when he came near, he saw the city and wept over it. This shows that... Um, Jesus has emotions. We're actually doing a study at my church called Forgotten God, which is talking all about the Holy Spirit. It's a really great study, and I recommend it. Uh, it's a great book, actually, written by Francis Chan. And I loved it. It opened my eyes to the Holy Spirit. But one thing that Francis Chan was talking about in this book was that the Holy Spirit has emotions. And there's evidence of that where it says that we can grieve the Holy Spirit with some of the stuff that we do. Because the Holy Spirit lives within us. When we become Christ followers, the Holy Spirit makes his home with us. And so the Holy Spirit can be grieved by the actions that we take if they are contrary to what God wants. In other words, if we sin, it grieves the Holy Spirit. 
So God has emotions. If you're listening to any of the stuff I've been doing in numbers on the Old Testament days, you will see that God definitely has emotions. (laughs) He has the emotion of jealousy. He has the emotion of anger, happiness, sadness, joy. He experiences emotions. Thus, Jesus is going to experience emotions. And it's not wrong to experience emotions. What is wrong is to let those emotions control us. Rather, we are supposed to be the ones in control of our own emotions. And we see that Jesus very much is in control of his own emotions. He does not let his emotions guide him. Rather, he does the will of his father. However, he does express emotion and it's not wrong to do so. And it's not emasculating to do so either. Jesus was very much a man who had emotions. So he grieves over the city. It says he wept over it is what my version of the Bible says. But there are other versions that says he cries over it. And they actually say that a a word that could really describe the emotion Jesus was feeling was that he was wailing over the city. I don't know if you guys have ever gotten so sad about something that you begin sobbing or wailing. (laughs) Um, But anyway, Jesus begins feeling this very intense, deep sadness over the city. And possibly he did this very publicly. It kind of sounds like he did to me. Um, But either way, he begins crying over the city of Jerusalem, which was a big city. And he said, if you, in other words, he's talking to Jerusalem. If you, Jerusalem, even you had known today the things which belong to your peace. If you go to other versions of the Bible, It'll word that differently. For example, let me jump over to the NIV version and read it there. So this says in verse 41, as he approached the Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. This is the NIV version and said, if you, even you had only known on this day, what would bring you peace? But now it is hidden from your eyes. So that describes why Jesus is so upset and crying over the city of of Jerusalem. He's basically saying to it, you guys don't have your priorities straight. You don't understand what's going to bring you peace. And this is right after Jesus is being paraded in the streets, right after everybody's saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, right after they're waving palm branches, which was a typical uh, thing that would happen when a general came through the city, by the way. It was like a military, it was like a political, uh, I don't know, thing for military things. But anyway... (laughs) I described that so well, but they were waving their palm branches at Jesus riding through the city and saying, save, save, because they believed he was basically this general that was going to fight and lead Israel to glory. But now Jesus is crying because the people don't have their priorities straight. Jerusalem doesn't have its priorities straight. Jesus is saying, I'm crying over you because you don't know what's going to bring you peace. You don't understand. You're searching and searching for something that is not going to give you peace. You are searching for something that is contrary to what I am coming to do, basically. And so he says, now it is hidden from your eyes. So in other words, they had their chance. They had their chance to understand and to see Jesus as their Messiah, their savior of their souls. 
I mean, all of this was prophesied about for Jesus. These people would have understood these old prophecies, but they, their eyes were blinded to them. They didn't see what Jesus was, their Savior. And so it says, The days will come on you when your enemies will build an embarkment around you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. This is history. Jesus predicted this well before this happened. That ended up happening in 69 AD, years after Jesus ascended into heaven and was no longer on the earth. The Romans came in a little bit before Passover week of 69 AD, and they built an embarkment around the Jewish city. So what would happen was because everyone traveled to the city of Jerusalem for Passover, tons and tons of migrants came through to celebrate Passover at Jerusalem. So these Romans were letting thousands of people through this embarkment. They would let them into the city, but no one was allowed out. This was mass genocide that the Romans ended up doing. And this is historical fact. You can look this up. So what happened was over time, the people in the city began to starve. There was no food and they were just dropping dead because there was nothing for them. There were so many people in that city, they all starved to death. And this was the Romans way of massacring tons of innocent Jewish people under the rule of the Caesar. And so what, and I can't remember if uh, Nero was Caesar or the guy right after Nero, but anyway, the Caesar ordered this and Jerusalem basically starved to death. All of it. Thousands of people ended up just dying in the city. And so what they would do is they would toss the bodies out. Elderly people, children, family members, these people all just died. And so after that, the rest of the Romans went in and ended up decimating what was left of Jerusalem and the people left in there. They killed almost everybody in Jerusalem. They destroyed the temple. They destroyed much of the city itself. Nothing really was left of Jerusalem. It became just rubble. And that happened in 70 AD, 69 and 70 AD. And you can read about that. But the interesting thing is, is that Jesus literally is predicting this. And that's why he's crying over the city, because they blinded themselves to what they really needed. They thought they needed something else. And the reason Rome did this in the first place was because there was a Jewish uprising right before that happened in about 64 AD. The Jewish uprising happened and there became a Jewish and Roman war basically within Jerusalem. And for like a second, the Jewish people were actually pretty successful and they got a lot of the Romans out of the city. But the problem was, was the fact that the Jewish people just believed so much that they needed a Messiah that would uh, conquer Rome, that they ended up taking matters into their own hands. Now, that being said, I do not believe it was the fault of the Israelites that the Romans did mass murder on them. Like that was a sick thing. It was actually extremely, extremely horrific, the things that the Romans did to the Israelites. But even Jesus here is crying over the fact that this was going to happen because here's what it says in verse 44, what Jesus says, they're going to do this because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. 
So history was going to take a turn for the worst because the city of Jerusalem did not recognize the Messiah as being their savior of their souls. And that's why Jesus is mourning over the city, feeling such uh, emotion over what is going to happen. So after this, it says, Jesus entered into the temple courts and he began to drive out those who were selling. And he basically stated something from Jeremiah here. I think it was from Jeremiah. It said, yeah, Jeremiah seven eleven, My house will be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. I'm not going to go too much longer, but we've talked a lot about um, what was going on here inside the temple courts. All these like money changers with their doves and stuff would come in and sell to the poor people. And they would exploit basically the poor people and sell these doves to them. And this was never the way God intended for sacrifice to be done. Sacrifice was supposed to be a very heartfelt thing. I mean, we've read about sacrifice a lot in the Old Testament. Sacrifice was supposed to be a somber thing, not a exchange for money. So Jesus goes in and he drives all of these people out that are selling all these pigeons and doves and whatever else for the sacrifice for the Passover. It was not the way it was supposed to be done. And Jesus begins to change that in a very public sort of way. So Jesus stuck to the law. I think a lot of people like to think of Jesus as like a lawbreaker. He definitely wasn't. He defended the law and he stuck with it. And he called out untruths. And he called them out pretty harshly sometimes. I mean, driving out the money changers and tipping over their tables, releasing the doves, whatever he did. That's a pretty public way to call out untruth. I mean, can you imagine that in today's age? <laughs> We'd be canceled. We'd be thrown in jail. You're not allowed to call out untruth anymore. You're just not. That's offensive. It's offensive to tell the truth anymore. But Jesus does it very publicly. But guess what? It was offensive back in these days to tell the truth too. The Pharisees were infuriated that Jesus did this. You can see this. It says every day he was teaching at the temple. And that's, that's the thing. He like sticks it to the Pharisees. He's like, you know what? I don't care about what you guys think. You are false teachers. You are false leaders. So he is in the temple publicly in front of the Pharisees every single day, basically defying them to their faces. I think that's really cool. Jesus was so courageous, so brave and unafraid to tell people the truth. So here's what happens. The chief priests, the teachers of the law and the leaders among the people were trying to kill him. That's what happens when you end up telling the truth today and back in these days. It's the same. <laughs> I think people like to think that, um, we're worse off now than we ever have been. But I mean, we see so many instances of how things were pretty bad in Jesus's day too, with Jesus telling things the way it was and him being called a hater and uh, offensive and whatever else people like to say back in those days that they like to say about anybody else that calls out truth nowadays. But here's what it says at the very end to conclude. Verse 48 Yet they could not find any way to do it because all the people hung on his words. 
They hung on his every word that came out of his mouth. The people flocked to Jesus. They wanted to hear the truth. How many people nowadays are craving the truth and are getting nothing but lies all the time? And yet Christians are too afraid to come out and really tell the truth. And I mean, I can't judge that because I'm also scared to tell the truth. I'm going to be honest, like I'd rather not and stay in my comfy bubble and not get canceled <laughs> or yelled at or um, I don't know, get commented on on YouTube. I've had a I have a video on YouTube that people don't like very much, um, which was this pot one of the podcast episodes, actually, because that's really that's all on YouTube right now is my old podcast episodes. But um I've had a lot of people comment to me about it and directly ask me about things. But anyway, my point is, it's easier to just sit back and not say anything and let people believe in lies. But that's not what Jesus did. And since we are supposed to be imitators of Jesus, we got to ask for courage to step out and tell the truth also when we don't want to step out and tell the truth, even though it's scary and it is scary. But Jesus was making impact. The people hung on his every word. They wanted that truth. They wanted to hear the truth. They were sick of the lies. And it's funny that it says all the people. So there were a lot of people that wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. A lot. And the Pharisees couldn't even get near him because of that. But yes, I think as Christians... We should try to tell the truth, especially when we are asked about it, because people potentially need to know they need to hear it. You never know whose life you're going to change just by stating a simple truth. When all they hear are lies, maybe that simple truth that you state might get somebody to think, might get them to begin to understand and take steps to potentially learning more about Jesus and about the truth that he teaches. Well, guys, thanks for tuning into this episode. Continue to share if this was uh, encouraging to you or if you were convicted by it in any way, definitely go over and share it. Tell people that the Bible Explained podcast exists because it's all you guys. It's you guys that are wanting to learn you are the ones that are helping promote this podcast. You're the ones that are helping this podcast to grow. It's all thanks to you and your want for learning more about Jesus and the scriptures. So it's all thanks to you. Thank you guys so much for helping this podcast to grow. I really appreciate it. And if you would like to support the podcast, you can go and uh, grab one of the devotionals that I've written. Uh, I'll drop a link to some of those in the bio of this podcast episode. But friends and faithful listeners, don't forget about the devotional that I'm coming out with very, very soon. It is an Advent devotional for teen girls. I'm so excited about it. It's going to have some coloring pages in it because I love to color and I like creating little images and stuff. It's going to have coloring pages. It's going to have Advent devotionals for four weeks. It's going to have some devotionals on the life of Jesus and uh, all relating to Christmas and Advent. Friends and faithful listeners, thank you so much for tuning into this episode, and I'll see you bright and early Friday morning for an episode out of Numbers. Happy listening and God bless.